hopefully, to Greg Norman. Yes, well done. He's done it at last. Greg Norman, 69. And great stuff. The champion for 1986. Welcome back to our three-part series with Brett Ogle. Hope you enjoyed part one. Here's part two. You've played with, rattle off some names for a bit, the world's best. Have you played with Nicholas? Uh, only in his private pro-am at um, Lost yes. Tree in Florida. So I have played with him, yep. but not in a tournament. Seve? Played a lot with Seve. Played a lot of, um, played two tournaments with him, but a lot of practice rounds. My son was his age. Uh, on the European tour, and I got very close to Seve, um, a great man, very good to me, and always watched me hit balls. And when I asked him to come watch me hit, he would drop what he was doing on the range and he'd, he'd come help me. Um, beautiful man. Yeah, well, Jack and Jackie have told me, that Jackie Newton have told me that when Seve first went to the US, Jack and Seve were really close, and, and Seve could hardly speak English. And so, because um, Jack took yeah. you under his wing, so he would have. Um, so Seve would have known that as well. So you've, but my my question was going to be about ego. How big? Because I can't answer it. I don't know these guys. Um, Watson, Trevino, all these guys, player. How big an ego do you have to have to be that successful? And how does it? How do they link it to? You know, like their personality to being such a successful sports person. Do you have to have an ego to be a successful? Golfer, no, because you don't. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. Sevy didn't. Got to have hunger. No, you've just got to have hunger, mm. and you've got to be hungry to win. Yeah. That's all. You don't have to have. You don't have to have an ego. You don't have to have bad attitude. Yeah. You've just got to believe in yourself and believe in your own ability. That's the bottom line. You don't have to. You know. You don't have to tell people how good you are. Let your golf clubs do the talking for you. And that's what I always did. You know, tell people how good you are. I'm this good. I'm that good. And there's a lot of them out there in all sorts of sports, all sorts of things, business or whatever, you know. Yeah. Let your work and let your business do your talking for you. Simple as that. If you've got – yeah, it's the same thing as a billionaire. If you've got money, you don't don't hear a billionaire saying, yeah, "Yeah, I've got a lot of money, mate. We know. Like, you don't need to say it. Nicholas. Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. And and when I first went to America – so I played Jack's private pro-am and got pretty close with him. Uh, Jackie Jr. I was really close to, and Gary used to travel around Europe, and I took Jackie Jr. under his wing out here and when he came to Australia to play. So I got to know the Nicholas family pretty well. Um, Arnold Palmer, when I first went to America in 1992, I was looking for a property to buy, and most of the Aussies, uh, like Finchie and Grades, uh, lived in Bay Hill. Um, and they... Um, got Arnold to meet me and have lunch with me at Bay Hill Country Club. I was going to buy in Bay Hill, and um, and just a, and he took me back to his house and we had uh, afternoon tea at his joint. And I got to know Arnold pretty well. Another another absolute gentleman. And Jack Nicholas, Seve Ballesteros. These guys just normal dudes that were just like you go, wow. Yeah, like, yeah. They can't be I, normal. But I was lucky enough to, to hang and, and, and meet them in my career and um, they're just so humble, we, you know, and that's that's what I I always look back upon. I, I look at all the people coming through in sport now. If they're not humble, I don't want to know them and I couldn't give two hoots about them, to tell you the truth. Just be humble. 
good let pe- you, yeah, let good you people, yeah. stuff do you let you let you work stuff do uh, the talking for you. A lot of that's the upbringing, right? Surely, I mean, you have got your own personality traits, but a lot of that's how your mum and dad tell you. Hey, hey, hey when you when you're a young kid, we we do a thing called a quick nine with Bogle. So there's a quick nine questions before we go on, right? You don't get well, to elaborate, huh? <laughs> We're halfway through. We're stopping at the clubhouse, aren't we? We, we are. Not allowed to elaborate. Answer these nine questions. Righto. Who would you choose to play you in a movie? Uh, Jim Carrey. If That's a good pick. If you could only listen to one album for a whole year. ACDC, probably. Back in black. Steak or seafood? <laughs> uh, definitely steak. Who's the goat, Jack or Tiger? I put Jack in front. Ford or Holden? Holden. Surfing or skiing? Skiing. America or Europe? For what? Don't know. Just pick one. (laughs) America. Beer or wine? Beer. Last question. Which US tour player from back in the day that you played with, if you had to do a road trip across the States? John Daly. That's it. With John Daly? He'd stop at every casino. Yeah, you'd love it. It'd be awesome. (laughs) I'd like that. That'd be awesome. Sounds like a. Do good you want to hear a? Do you want to yeah. hear a great story about John Daly yeah. while, while while you're rocking and rolling? I might forget, and you can now. Yeah, yeah, you can't get him back. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's, here's it. Now I've got some good stories with JD because we're very good friends, yeah. and uh, as I said, we're we're smokers on tour, and they were very few and far between. So anyway, the story: he came out here to play in the Vines Classic over in Perth, out in the, out in the Swan Valley. So. Um, and uh, we go to the casino together. So we drive from from the Vines about 40 minutes into Burswood Casino, um, meet with Brian Posey, him and his dad, um, Ian, maybe Ian Posey. They, they ran Burswood Casino back in the day, right. um, two American guys. Um, we go up into the private room upstairs, just me, John, um, Posey, and a dealer. Jack, uh, what do you yeah. want to play? Creepy, JD. yeah. Yeah, I want to play blackjack. So we're going to blackjack tables. Just and he just opens the table up. Um, we go. We'll go into his office first. How much do you want to cash? Um, I get my wife uh, to fax over a check. Now these back in the day, <laughs> nineteen ninety. It would have been ninety three, ninety four. So um, and John's already won his first major. You know the blonde headed mullet kid. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, rings up. Uh, gets a check sent through, writes out a quarter of a mil, two fifty. So two hundred fifty thousand. Wow, really? All right. So we're sitting at the table. JD's playing three, four boxes here. He puts down some ten grand in front of me. What are you doing? I'm just sitting there next to him having a drink. Oh, you play these three. I can't reach over there. You play these. Four. I'm playing these four. I'm not playing. I'm not playing that. What for that money? Ten grand? Mate, I'd be nervous playing for ten dollars, let alone put ten grand. What are you doing? Don't do that. He said, just shut up. Just play. All right. And I'll make a call if you're not sure. I'm going, you're, you're mad. You're crazy, which I already knew he was anyway. Yeah. But he's a great guy. Which is why you loved him. A, yeah. Well, he's just, a, he's just a really great guy. What you get, what you see with JD. Put him out in the back of Broken Hill. He's just a normal dude with an accent. So we're playing there. Probably an hour. Does the quarter of a mil. Gone. That's wow. $250,000. Jeez, really? Wow. So, all right, we're going now? No. Back into the office with Brian Posey, the fax machine. I bring my missus back at um, 
uh, wherever they lived. Um, Arkansas. TP- no, oh. no, that's where he's from. But they, no, they lived on a co- uh, course, TPC, uh, one of the TPC courses. Um, anyway, I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, another quarter of a mil. Writes it out. Handwritten, 250000 Brian Posey is taking his word for the credit of 250 k for the check because he's John Daly. Now, today you probably wouldn't do it unless you were somebody like Matt. We could transfer it anyway these days. Well, that's well, that's exactly right. So anyway, back to the table again. Two hundred, another two hundred fifty thousand. So man, he's willing to lose five hundred k that night gambling. Anyway, he ended up getting most of it back, and if not, he probably got it all back and finished up pretty pretty close to level. Walked out with a shitload of chips and then cashed them in, and I don't know, but he was pretty close. And um. I just went wow, and that was one gambling episode with that JD. Was one back to the back to the Vines Resort, um, and first round we were drawn together as well that week because the PJ asked me said they said you you know him well would you mind playing with him I said yeah 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 throw him he shot ninety two around the Vines he was taking drive I don't know whether you ever played the Vines before you got to take irons on a lot of the holes they're so narrow and there's bush crap <laughs> both sides of the fairway nah, driver just give me the driver. And I said to him, turn the round, I said, what are you, mate, you can't get driver here. Just, just take the island and put it over there. And I'm, you know, 92 he shot. He missed the cut. He stuck around. He did uh, two junior clinics on the weekend, uh, which he promised to do anyway. And he stuck around all weekend. One thing about John Daly, and or two things, or three things, four things, five things. I played a lot of practice rounds with JD, and if the driver wasn't working at the end or the putter or the sandwich or uh, or whatever, he would give them to children at the end of his round, sitting around and following around the back of the green. So many times I've just seen, you know, the putter's no good today, so he'd give the putter to that kid. Yeah, what Mr. Great Daly, thing, yeah. Mr. Daly, or can I have his this kind of that? Mate, yeah, you, can have my, you can have my putter today. Yeah, don't worry and about the anyway, glove. Oh, man. And, and at the end, at the end of where he threw his putter in uh, the pond. Cool him. Um, cool him. Cool him. Yeah. I went back. I was, I was doing TV then. So I got off air and I went back to his room and, and knocked on his door. He opened up his door and he was pretty, he was really shattered about his attitude. The thing about John is he does things and then yeah, worries yeah. about him later. Got a good heart. That's the thing with good JD. Heart. Yeah, he just does things off the top of his head yeah. and then goes, oh, oops. Shouldn't have done shouldn't that. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So anyway, um, he goes, I'm going back to America tomorrow. Um, you want my clubs? And I said, yeah, yeah, give me your clubs. We, we were both with um, um, Foundation, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, right? I was doing my Make-A-Wish at Beverly Park there for 18, 17 years. And um, anyway, he gave me the clubs. I got ten grand from at the big Make a Wish dinner in Sydney that year. And but the, I never got the putter. Radar went in with scuba gear. Remember, I got the I got the guy with the scuba gear to yeah. go and get the putter yeah. and bring it. To, and he did a story on Channel Seven with it. That yeah. putter was in the high regency column on the wall. I never got that. But I got JD's clubs. And I got ten thousand dollars for him. And um, I was really really proud of him saying, "Here you go. You take those. Yeah, he's going to make guy. a wish." And, and that's the sort of guy John Daly he's was. So there's a good story for you, for the artist book yarns. I, I love his uh, – when I read his book, I love that um, the cavalcade of, of tour players coming out of the Masters. And there's JD in his RV parked it across the road talking yeah. to the people, sitting in the gutter, having a cigarette, talking, having a chat to the locals. And they're saying, oh, what did you hit on 13? He says, oh, I hit six sign there. I hit, hit, it, hit it in the piss. And then the other – 
look across the road and there's security taking people out and making sure no one, you know, gets near him. There's JD sitting down on the uh, – and he t- he's, there's some great stories. He's still got his RV, parks his RV, wet just down the road about um, out of the front gate, uh, about – Three or four hundred meters down the road, in a in a thing, he sells his memorabilia out of his big RV oh, every classy. year. I was just um, recently there doing Fox Sports coverage, and I I drop in drop in to see <laughs> see if he's still alive still there and doing it. Yeah, he's, he's still there, still doing it. That's gold. He's got he's got cancer at the moment. Yeah, I heard he's crook. Yeah, bladder cancer. I think. Yeah, um, sixty four the other day. Did he? He. Uh, what yeah, story? Tim Furyk led the senior tour event last week. Right, today shot sixty four. Tell me about when your game went south. Do you remember a day? A I remember when it first happened. That's what I'm saying. I first you... got the yips. Jeez, what happened I there? Chipping, I was chipping those um, those air balls that you buy at like Kmart, Target. Those ones, yeah, those yeah, yeah, plastic, yeah, yeah. Plastic air balls, you yeah. buy a six pack. Yeah, and I was chipping them down the hallway. Uh, in in and I was uh, seventeen, nineteen eighty one, and I flinched, and it, it hit the side of the wall. I flinched one. I thought that was weird. Anyway, kept going. And from nineteen eighty one through to two thousand and two, it got worse. It, it, it was it in there. Gradually got worse. It was yeah, in there. It was always there. I always. never knew that. I never knew that. Even uh, and that's that's. Five years as an amateur, four years as an amateur, before I even turned pro, I had the yips. And I fought it my whole – man, I tell you, I, I blew so many tournaments because of the yips. Right. And it just got me. I, I In the end, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I wasn't the same Brett Ogle. I could shoot 72, 71, 70, but that's not good enough in this day and age. You know, well, you know like if I hit 16 or 17 greens, that's what I was about to say. Like, that's what I was Yeah, if say. I struck it pure for the day, I'd still shoot, you know, I'd hit par fives and two, crush the par fives, and I could shoot six, seven under, no problem at all. But it's the days when you're not quite on and you hit 12 greens, you 11 can't, greens in can't the play. Not quite on. Yeah, well, I'd be chipping just. And, and you I got sh- around it with the long putter. I invented the long, I invented a long putter for myself at the international in after I won Pebble. In 1993, I was putting with the Langer method, where the up the up the arm, the putter was here, and I and I started to that started to break down as well. And um, then I invented this. So I got a zebra putter at the international at Castle Pines in uh, July of that year, and I cut it. Uh, and then I got a driver shaft. I shoved the driver shaft in it, and this is this is after round round one. <laughs> I just had 35 putts anyway. I went out and I putted with this thing the next day. It was like a piece of licorice. It was <laughs> it was like this. I had twenty seven putts. It's on here. With it a bit on a yeah. It's on. Uh, and anyway, then I won the Hawaiian Open with the long putter. But my whole career, I struggled with the yips. I got and in the end, in two thousand and two, I was yipping six and seven irons, and I still do today. Wit, I could drop a bag of balls and hit eight irons or nine irons, and five or ten of them would come out, and they'd just go forty right. All of a sudden, I'd yip it at impact. My hands, they just flinch. And I spent, I reckon I spent about 50,000 US dollars on trying to reprogram my brain on the US tour. Uh, they didn't know much about it in the 80s, but US was more onto psychology stuff coming through. And mid 90s, 95, I was um, uh, seeing this, seeing these people and trying to, trying to get to, uh, get to the root of the problem. And, 
Um, and you know, they were more about being positive and and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, that that's all right when you're positive, but you 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 have one yip, man. You try and get that out of the head the rest of the day, and you've had it early on in your round. Golf, as you know, and everybody listening to golf, you've got a lot of time to think out on a golf course. You're out there for four and a bit hours. How long does it take you to hit your 80 shots or your 90 shots? And a, four hours. A lot of pros – no, it takes a minute and a half. But a, a lot of pros um, that I've helped with with their chipping over the years that grew up in the 70s, 80s especially – that came from ball back, hands forward, uh, spin it. Oh, they a lot of pros that I've um, that I've they've turned up and said, oh, "I want a chipping lesson." And you go, "You come from that era, mate. You come from the ball back, hands forward, lob wedge, spin it with the ballada, and it led to some pretty bad technique. It led to you some know, pretty bad technique. Funny how you say that, but. It's funny how you say that because I tell you, Alex Mercer was a big, uh, big one on, on that method, right? A lot of other guys like Paul Runyon go the Y method, and there was a lot of methods coming through back in the day. But the big method was that ball back, hands forward, punch it in there, and skip it. And from from my experience, is that bad technique. Well, well, from my experience, when you're young, this is just you know I've taught for a long time. When you, when you're young. Um, you have no fear. You it, it, it gets worse over time. The hands get further forward, further away. The club gets more inside. So now the swings, the club's swinging too much to the right, too much out of the heel. It's I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot. And you, you get them anyway. We won't get into the technique too much, but you get a lot of those guys with their feet shut and their shoulders open. It's a really weird feeling for them. They think they're going to have an air swing and the club moving more out to win left, more off the toe. And they, if anything, because was yours, was yours fat or thin? What was your worst one, the fat one? No, it was everything. Right. No, it's just my hands. Shank, the it, was just a, it was just a yip. No. Yeah, it was just yeah, but no. The, the face is just open or closed. I but, don't know where my yeah. yeah that was yeah, a neurological. Yeah, yeah. See, any any end and the more technology that came out over the past uh, fifteen years, and I've done a uh, Noel Blundell. I did a thing with him and on the mental side. Yeah. I have a neurological disorder, hmm. and penists, surgeons, people that write, all sorts of people get the yips. It's it's a yeah common thing and. Um, so, some it might be technique, right? And you can get out of it because because you're not the first one that says, "Oh, did you hit them fat? Did you hit them thin?" No, well, I didn't miss hit them. Mm. I, I, I flinched and it went right or left. Mm. And I'll never like so. My problem was a neurological problem in in connectors in your brain connecting to repetitive action. And I'll, I'll never forget this one. I'm playing with Tiger at Huntingdale in 1997 or 1998. 97, 17th hole, and I've got it. I'm just off the front of the green, and it's me, me, Alan B, and Tiger in the tournament. And I've got a bit of a scuffy lie in front of me. I can't really, I wanted to putt it like everything from 20 yards, 30 yards short. I'd take the putter out in the end, and it's the only thing I could get on the green. I had to chip it. So I've taken out the nine iron, I've given it the weak left grip. I had it so far turned under, I'm like this, because and got it so far out my back foot before you could try and yip it. It got that bad. Try this yeah, yeah, yeah. method. Anyway, I flinched it and it went over into the bunker. Didn't shank it. It just uh, the face opened 
and because I flinched and it went over and I ran over to the bunker and I remember looking up and Tiger looked, was looking at me going, what happened there? What what happened yeah, there Robert was looking at me as well. And you can imagine how many people were around the green there at 17 following us. And I was so embarrassed. I just – and that in the end, in 2002, that was enough. I, I was so embarrassed with my short game. Cut-up shots, bunker shots, fast hand movement actions, no problem. I, uh, no problem. But straightforward, simplistic little shot up the green, little checker, mate, I, 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 I didn't have that shot anymore. And I ended up – I was trying to chip left-handed, train myself left-handed, and that was going to take years to go <laughs> to do. In the end, I said, I can't. It's I'm just, done. Okay. I, yeah, I'm, I'm frazzled. I can't mentally do yeah. this anymore. Brett Ogle's a positive, happy-go-lucky, the smiling assassin, loves life, larger than life, big personality. How much of that personally crushed you? Like, did did, did that lead to any depression? Um, no, 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 no. No, just, um, just so oh, you, you transition, you, you could deal with it. Well, three or four years it probably took to get over not playing tournaments and not being that competitive guy anymore. But That's not what I missed. But not shattered. Uh, you weren't shattered. Oh, look, I was. I was probably shattered. I didn't get in a really depressive state. state yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it had been going on for a long, long time. Yeah, and you I said dealt, that, yeah. And I dealt with it. With you know, yeah, I dealt. I dealt with it. I, I found a way around all the time. Well, you end, said go back yeah, to eighty one. You, you it had been as you said. It, it's not like when Tiger gave you that look of what the freak just happened there. You're like, mate, this is thirty years. This is twenty years old. This seventeen. That's seventeen years. I yeah, think, this is yeah, twenty years it. old, mate. Not, but yeah. Tiger went through it too, right? Well, it looks like he went through. Went through half of it, but then he won the Masters last well, year, and he was chipping great. So I, I don't, I don't know, but it looked like he he, he was going, he, he it was, was getting him at Phoenix. I remember there a couple of years ago, but he had him fat, he had him skinny. I personally think, and I might be wrong. You're the one that went through it. My gut tells me it starts not not always, but it, but with a golf pro, it starts with a bit of bad technique somewhere. And then it's 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 a disease, you know. Like it, as you say, it, it can catch you. So I've you know I've, I've experienced, yeah. I've seen it. it. It can catch you real quick. Your the contact, and then you, you feel that, as you said, you feel that. What's that? That's not normal. That's not flowing. Yeah. That's not good. That's yeah. not easy. That's what's that? As a kid, were you a good chipper? Yeah. Right good when you were game. 13, 15, great yeah. chipper. Go skip back. him in there, skip him in there, love that one, yeah, two, everyone. three. That, well, we didn't have lob wedges back in our day. No, they were we'll 56, sand on. And 56 and you ground the bottom of them and lay them open to yeah. get your 60 degree. That that was like, you know, there's none of this 60 degrees with 9 degree, 10 degree, 11 bounce. degree of bounce, all this yeah. that's come out now. I mean, game's so much easier. Jeez, ball goes straighter. Yeah. No, mate. I'm oh, you've got your golf. sandwich and you ground the back of it, you ground it on the grinder on the back of it and you sit on the carpet, you open it up and there's still that gap. Under here, and I need to grind it a bit more. But we were the era, like I was probably the last. I was born in 73, so my boss, Kyle Francis at Concord, he was the last. He was still, he was a tinkerer. So during the PGA, like I was only a kid, I was 16, 17, but the, I looked up to 
Peter McGuinney, uh, Lindsay Stevens was there, um, Stuart Gin played. The, the, these are guys that I'm going like, wow, I've heard of these guys. They're good. and um, But they tinkered with equipment and Kyle was still – we were binding woods. Kyle went down to the Greenkeeper Shed one day and got a bit of aluminium from a blade or something because he came from Billy Holder at the Lakes and he – was um, setting this, gluing this aluminium into this driver head. And I'm like, what's he doing? Then he'd put it on the buffet and, you know, you roll and bulge. Kids these days, when they listen to this, <laughs> roll and bulge. Then we'd cut, we'd cut the uh, – he made this driver out of a bit of persimmon. Kids will go, what's persimmon? Then he, oh, then he, yeah. and, and he, he made this bloody face. What was they called again? Um, inlay. Inlay. He made an, a face inlay for a driver yeah. from the Greenkeeper shed. Told well, me before what, you go on, on, yeah. on short, before you get back on that too, but yeah. the, the short game, I had one of the best coaches going around, David Merriman. Yeah. Now you want to talk about short game guys getting yeah. up and down out of a ball washer. He was the man. David Merriman had one, oh, he, he very good short game. Yeah. Very, very good short game. So I got taught with David's. Method too, and he was he had mate. You talk to anybody, he could do David it. Yeah. Merriman, they'll go off. Oh, mix bus, great, great short game, chipper. Doesn't yeah. hit it far, but can chip and putt. So I, I got taught by one of the yeah, best yeah, yeah. short game blokes going around, and I used to hang around Sevy for God's sake. That's right, you know. And they would have used to it. play a lot with Mickelson too on the on the USPJ tour. Yeah. I always play practice rounds with Phil. Yeah. Want to play with somebody that's got better, better, better than you at doing something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great short game. I, I weak short game. I go and play with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course. Yeah. And he never said no. Good, another good guy, good friend. But as you say, and he also didn't. You're saying Sevy would have picked it up in a heartbeat if you had a bit of early days. He would have said, "Mate, we're not doing that. A bit more of this, a bit more of this." Well, he played that shot. That's the shot he played. Back yeah. foot in there, check it in there, and that's the short game he had. Sevy yeah. and me. No, who would ever argue about his short game? No one. Well, I'd but say, about- I'd say the difference is Sevy had his hands low. I picture him right, and he's in his <laughs> navy clothes, hands low. Kept the club out in front of him, so yes, he did play it back and and yeah. stab it a bit, but he didn't get that hands away from him, club inside sort of look. The one that I don't like. People can. Merriman came to Tully Park when I was fourteen as the as the head pro, and my game was starting to get better. He, um, I just started, but I was on a low handicap. Um, well, high handicap to start with, but David was doing one dollar junior clinics on a Saturday morning, and I just I quit rugby league. My high school, when I was 15, a year, about a year and a half later, when all the kids would do rugby league or soccer or other sports, my principal at Mawari High School in Goulburn would let me go under David's tutelage and do golf, just me alone, because my golf was becoming – my handicap was coming way down. And But my principal at my school, Keith McGowan, never forget it, would let me go and do golf under David's – Guidance. So I worked in with David in the pro shop. But That's anyway, right, yeah. um, I got lucky there to to be able to do golf um, when all the other kids were doing other sport too. And but David was a big part of my life in Goulburn when I was when I was young. And I followed him to Sydney in when I left school at fifteen and a half. Uh, we both got a job. He got a job at Chalmers Street in Sydney, um, opposite the skating rink. There it was. Um, golf World opened up, and on Chalmers Street, and David got me a job. So I moved with David and his wife to Coogee and I worked there for a year and I, I kind of got a bit homesick and went home to Goulburn and um, 
and got back on um, smoking Dewey and hanging with the boys and and then uh, and here's a good story for you and here's another really good story for you too. Uh, before when you said juniors back in my day was under 21, it was. Nowadays it's under 18s, but juniors was under under 21s. I turned up and I was going through, I was leading the, the ACT Monaro Junior and Senior Champion of Champions, uh, sorry, um, stroke stroke averages this year, 17. And anyway, I was trialling out for the, I got picked to trial out for the state senior, senior team. And anyway... Played Lester Peters and Jerry Jerry Power, um, Colin Longley, um, bunch of other dudes. Anyway, beat them all, beat them all. And anyway, came picking picked the state team, seventeen, turning up in my Holden panel van, HT panel van, big blue stripe up the front, mad wheels. Used to sleep in the back, uh, mattress, you know, the whole shit. It's good. Anyway, um, if it's rocking, picked, don't bother, don't bother knocking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They picked the state team. And it was uh, seven guys and one reserve, six guys and one reserve. And they, and I wasn't one of the six, and I'm going, and reserve will be Michael Ford. Michael Ford, that's the guy that I beat eight and seven. Michael Ford, he got reserve. I'm not even in the team. How's that work? So I went up to the old uh, Miley, John Miley, New South Wales, no, he wouldn't have passed away, long, long passed away, one of the old blokes in the, the Waratah jacket. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> John, I beat Jerry Power, I beat Chris Longley. Uh, yeah, Chris Longley, not Colin Longley, Chris Longley. Uh, I beat Michael Ford, eight and seven. I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a Guernsey as, as a reserve. How can that be? He goes, well, Brett, you're a little young. Um, yeah, look, your golf is coming along, but you're a little out of control and you wouldn't look good in a blue suit. And I went, you're kidding. That's the best answer you've got. Don't take me on my golfing ability. Take me on turning up in a panel van. And, yeah, I turned up at Castle Hill one morning. You know, I was on the turf yeah, that night uh, and I took 10 down the first hole and I smelled a bit of alcohol. We'll brush that off. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still won my match. Um Anyway, you know what I did? I went back to Goulburn. I put the golf clubs in the corner wet. I was 17. I quit golf for nine months, didn't play. I went back. I smoked dope. I went back and drunk piss with the boys back in Goulburn. I started playing more snooker and I got into snooker. I didn't play any golf and I almost quit. And then one thing turned it around. And I'll tell you what turned it around. Me and my mate were coming back from from Sydney one night in the same panel van and we're out. We've got no money on the doll, and I stop off at Minto, right? I back into this guy's place, and I start siphoning petrol. That's how we got around in Sydney for a few days. We slept in the back of the mattress, me and my mate. We were siphoning cars with petrol. And a guy come out with a shotgun. Wow. Right to my head. He'd be five yards away from me. And I'd already been on two bonds, right, for being naughty, naughty boy back yeah. in the day, right? This guy, anyway, I, I was stumped. So he called the police. The police came. I went to Campbelltown Court, and I was just shy of my 18th birthday. And the, the judge said to me, he goes, and he looked at me, and he goes, young fella, he said, I can see, because I put together, you know, golfing careers coming on and da-da-da. He said, I can see your golfing careers coming on. He said, um, and, and what I did is I got Strathfield Golf Club to write a letter to say I'm going to play penance for them and come back to Sydney. I thought, I, I've got to get out of Goulburn. Things are not going good there. And he said, young fella, 
He said, I'm going to put you on a two-year behaviour bond. He said, you're very lucky. You're not 18 yet because you might have spent some time in prison for the way that you, you know, your behaviour. And anyway, that's the last time I was in trouble and it really put a rocket up my butt. But I'll never forget it. It was John, and I don't want to blame John Miley, but that was back in the day. If you're good, you're 11 and you, you're beating all the 18-year-olds, give the kid, put the kid in the team. He's good enough. They turned me down and they shunned me. And I went away from the. I nearly gave up golf. And it wasn't only John Miley, but it was. I, I know, I know the, I know the stories. Bad, um, so bad. And I, and and I nearly, I stuffed up, but I got and I went back to Sydney, and I haven't looked back since. The reason you and I like professional golf and our personalities um, gravitate to that is because you play, you tee it up, you shoot a score, you live and die by your score. No one picks you, you do it. And that's why you like it. That's why you, you turn pro and that's what um, – and, and things have changed. Look, in Golf New South Wales are doing an amazing job now. Things have changed. That's it for the second part of the Brett Ogle interviews. Hope you're enjoying them. Uh, there's more to come. One more part of the three-part series. Uh, we'll see you back here soon.